The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, take your Bibles with me this morning. Let's go to John chapter 15. I've got a bit of introduction before we read our scriptures. We'll start at John chapter 15. Let's pray first before we do anything else. Father, this is your word. It's not ours. And Lord, we want to properly and correctly interpret your word and apply it to our lives. But in order for us to do that, Father, your spirit must teach us. So we yield ourselves this morning to your spirit uh, for, the, for the preaching of the word and the teaching of it. And help us, Lord, today to grow, to be more Christ-like in our daily life, and to understand your will for us. Thank you for this time we have together. Bless all who are here, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Suppose I could offer you a life today that is guaranteed to give you a joy that is greater than any other. A life that's guaranteed to give you a blessedness that produces happiness in its fullest, fullest measure. A life with an assurance that cannot be shaken. A life with a peace that surpasses all understanding. How many of you would be interested in such a life as this? Raise your hand. You'd say, I want that kind of life. That's the kind of life I want to have. I want to have a life filled with joy, blessedness, assurance, and peace. Well, I'm sorry. I, I can't give you that life. I wish I could, but I can't. But I do know who can. His name is Jesus. Jesus, by his own affirmation came to give us exactly this kind of life. But more than just life, he came to give us an abundant life. In John chapter 10 and verse 10 we read, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Far too many in our nation today assume that this abundant life that Jesus spoke about, they, they, they mistakenly assume that Jesus wants us to have all of the material things that we can have. They, they misinterpret Jesus' intention when he says that he wants us to have life more abundantly, to mean riches and and and. and and wealth and, and all these, these things, power and all these things that go along with it. And there are many today, there are many teachers and preachers promoting just that. We call them prosperity preachers. And they give many a false understanding of the scriptures. Timothy, uh, Paul described them in 1 Timothy. He, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, 
From such withdraw thyself. And then he says, but godliness with contentment is a great gain. In other words, Paul says there's, there's riches and wealth beyond the material things on this life uh, that, that will just fade away. Jesus told us not to lay up treasures, uh, not to, not to lay up treasures, uh, on this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But he said, lay up treasures where? In heaven. I submit to you today that, that the life that Jesus spoke of, the abundant life, is not a materialistic life. It is a spiritual life. Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He wants us to have an abundant spiritual life, not a material life. If Jesus' will is that all of his children have an abundant material life, then how do you explain the poor man? How do you explain Lazarus at the, at the rich man's gate? How do you explain Lazarus? Was Lazarus lavished in, 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 in wealth and riches? No. But he did have an abundant spiritual life. And we see that. And when he died, he, he sat in, in Abraham's bosom while the rich man was in torment in hell. Jesus came that we would have an abundant spiritual life. A life lived in righteousness and holiness. A life given by God ruled by Christ and led of the Holy Spirit. This is the life that Jesus desires that we have today. It is a life that manifests the image of Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, we read, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also uh, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And then Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Through Jesus' teachings, we can learn how to live this abundant life. Let's look at John chapter 15, and I'll read, beginning at verse 1. Let's all stand just for a moment as we read from, from God's Word. John chapter 15 and verse 1. We read here, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. 
If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Thank you. You may be seated. Notice in this passage of scripture, there are three parties identified in this allegory. First, we see the husbandman. And also we see the vine and the branches. The vehicle used by Jesus to teach this lesson is a vineyard. So first, let us discuss the husbandman. Now, a husbandman is the owner of a vineyard. All things pertaining to the vineyard belong to him. He is the sole proprietor, and he has complete control over the disposition and the welfare of the vineyard. In other words, he is the sovereign ruler of the vineyard. The husbandman, Jesus tells us, is the father. It is he that planted and tends to the vine. It is he that waters it. It is he that tills the ground. It is he that grafts in the branches. The vineyard is his. But then next we turn our attention to the vine. The vine is the source of life for the fruit of the vineyard. It is the foundation from which the branches grow and all the fruit is produced. Without the vine, there would be no vineyard. Without the vine, there could be no life. And most certainly, without the vine, there would be no fruit. The vine, we see, is Christ himself. He is the vine planted by the Father. In John chapter 6, we read the words of our Savior. He says, For I came down from heaven... Not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. His life is sustained by the husbandman. All his care is tended to by the father. He is rooted and built up in the Godhead. And his strength flows from the same. But then we also see a reference to the branches. Now, these branches are you and me, the elect saints of God. We have been grafted into the vine. And this grafting is done by the work and the will of the husbandman. We did not choose the vine. We did not go touring vineyard to vineyard and and say, oh, look, that vine looks nice. I think, I think I'll graft myself into this vine. We, did, we didn't do that. We did not choose the vine. The husbandman chose us. 
In, in John chapter 15 and verse 16, we read, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We grow into a productive branch, but not because of our own efforts, not because of our own power, not because of our own wisdom. Rather, we draw our life and our strength from the vine. It is the vine that nourishes the branches. We produce fruit because of the vine, not apart from the vine. If the branch grows too far away from the vine, it will lack the nourishment it needs to produce fruit. This is why we see in, in, in Christ's allegory the pruning work of the husbandman. And this is why God prunes us. This is why God chastises us throughout our life. Because he is, he is pruning us. And what is he doing? He's, he's pruning us so that we will grow and produce more fruit that we will grow to be more in the image of his son, more in the image of the vine, more in the image of Christ. We read a moment ago in verse 2 of John 15, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. But wait a minute. If he grafts, if he grafts the branches into the vine, then what, what is this about these, these branches that he purges and that he takes away? And we read earlier, they're gathered and thrown into the fire. Well, I did a little study and I found out that there's a, there's a peculiarity that happens in vineyards. And alongside the vine, there are small shoots that will grow. And they will grow up around the vine and they will grow up and, and twist around the branches and they will be there and they will resemble a branch of the vine but they produce no fruit but what they do is they rob the tree they rob the vine of nourishment and the, and the, the husbandmen and the, the, those that work in the vineyard must go along and must locate these and must, must take them out must pull them away and get them out of there so they don't damage the, the, the branches in the vine. They don't choke them out. Sounds pretty reasonable when we consider the fact that Jesus said there were tares amongst the wheat, doesn't it? But God prunes us. We grow, we grow into a productive branch, not because of our labors, but because of his. It is the vine that nourishes the branches. We produce fruit because of the vine, not apart from the vine. Now, the hope of our abundant life begins here. It begins with the branches, with you and me, being pruned and cared for by the husbandman, by God, so that we will bear fruit in the vine, so that we will bear fruit in Christ. The branches, apart from the vine, cannot produce fruit. In fact, the branches, apart from the vine, have no life. We read, a, we read also in, in John chapter 15, 
uh, verses 11 and first uh, John chapter 15. I'm sorry, verse 11 and 12. We read, and this is the record that God have given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. In this we see the lost souls of men. They do not abide in the vine. Therefore they have neither life nor hope of life. The branch lying on the ground apart from the vine has no hope of life. Several years ago, someone had given my wife a little, a little plant. It was a rose plant. And as what happens to any plant that she or I touches, it died. And it was dead for a couple of years, I think. And my wife got this idea that one day she was going to bring it back to life. So she took this dead stick. It was just a, it was just a stick sticking out of, the, out of a little pot. And she starts putting water in it. And I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to get this thing to grow. I said, no, you're not. It's dead. She said, no, I'm going to get it to grow. And we had a little wager going. And I won the wager. Because she was not able to bring life back to that plant. You see, our life flows from the vine. Therefore, it is easy to understand that an abundant life would also have to flow from the vine. So we've established the pattern of what we're talking about here. The abundant life that Jesus wants us to have is not a materialistic life. It's a spiritual life. Jesus didn't come so you could be fat and sassy. He came to give you life. Spiritual life. And more than just that, but to give you an abundant life. He wants you to have an abundant spiritual life. So don't be satisfied with just having life. Because Christ wants you to have it abundantly. And he'll give you that abundant life. He, he makes it available for us. But we must understand it. And we must apply the principles to gain that abundant life. Life, Jesus states, is found in him. And more than just life, but abundant life. So let's examine this abundant life. What is the abundant life that Jesus spoke about? Now, we could literally preach for months on this. And the study involved in this was quite extensive. And I'm sure I'm going to be preaching and teaching from the lessons learned in these, these scriptures for quite a while. But today, I have limited time. So allow me to share some thoughts with you this morning. Number one, the abundant life is a fruitful life. In verse 2 of John 15, we read, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. What is important to you this morning? Think about that for a moment. Just Right where you're sitting, just think in your mind, what is, what is the most important thing to me today? Is it to be a loving husband or a loving wife? Is it to be a strong, compassionate father or mother? Is it to advance in your career? 
Is it to gain financial security? What is most important to you this morning? Now, this is an important question to answer. And the reason is, the thing that is most important to you will determine your priorities and your focus in your life. Just a moment ago, we, we looked at John chapter 15 and verse 16, where uh, we, we read, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. This is the desire This should be the desire of our heart today. That we would be a branch that brings forth abundant fruit. And as a branch that abides in the vine, I will bear the fruits that God has ordained in me. Remember, in verse 16, he said, I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. As a branch that abides in the vine, I will bear the fruits that God has ordained in me, and I will accomplish the things that I desire in my life. I will be a loving husband, because Jesus will teach me how to be a loving husband. I will be a strong, compassionate father, because Jesus will give me the ability to be such. I will be a faithful servant to my church because Jesus will empower me to be that. I will be a kind and loyal friend because Jesus will grant me the peace and joy that I need. I will be able to be all the things I want to be, all those things that are important to me, I will, I will be those things because they are the fruit of the vine. But we have to determine what what is meant by bearing fruit. Now you can get different opinions about bearing fruit. And I'm not going to go into all that today. But I'm just going to say this. If an abundant life includes bearing fruit through Jesus, then we better understand what this means. Bearing fruit in scripture. I have three thoughts I want to share with you and we'll be done this morning. Now, don't get too excited because I can spend an hour on one thought. Bearing fruit in Scripture is illustrative of first, letter A, the works of the Spirit in our life. The works of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. These are the fruits that Jesus is talking about. These are the, these are the fruits that he wants us to bear in our life. The works of the Spirit. The fruit is, is alien to our human nature. In Galatians chapter 5, and beginning at verse 19, we read this. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I 
have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the works of the flesh. These are the works uh, of being uh, abiding in the vine, in the world's vine. And they are the inverse of the fruit of the spirit. They're the exact opposite. And there is no way that we can produce the fruit of the spirit apart from the vine. Apart from Jesus. Remember, a branch can only produce fruit from the vine. A branch lying on the ground, will that branch produce any fruit? No, it won't. That branch, does that branch even have life? No. No life. No life, no fruit. Unless it's attached to the vine, it's dead. A branch attached to the world's vine will produce the fruits of the flesh, not the fruits of the spirit. However, when we have been grafted into the vine, and when we come to the place where we yield our life under the Holy Spirit, then this fruit is manifested in our lives through the vine. By Jesus Christ. And our life brings glory and honor to the Father. Then we bear the fruit that God has ordained we should. We bear a fruit pleasing unto God. And this fruit remains. Remember Jesus said, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. So bearing fruit is illustrative of the works of the Spirit. But then secondly, letter B, bearing fruit is illustrative of the winning of souls through our witness. The winning of souls through our witness. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit in this instance is the witness that we have in Christ. Now, we all understand this morning that it is not we that save the souls. I don't go out and save people. Now, maybe if I see them in a burning building or floundering in the lake, I can save their their mortal life. But I I have no power to save their eternal soul. It is the Lord. And we further understand that God has not commanded us to go out and save souls. Jesus didn't command us to go out and save souls, did he? He commanded us to be witnesses of the grace of God. You can't save a soul, I can't save a soul, but we can witness (coughs) and we can tell the gospel of Christ to every man we meet and be a witness for Christ. So what is Solomon speaking of when he talks about the fruit of the righteous? He is speaking of the righteousness of the believer, which is brought forth under the influence of divine grace from Christ. He is saying, because of the new nature imputed to me at salvation, because of the indwelling Holy Spirit and his work in my life, I have a witness for Christ. We have become branches 
which bear the fruit of righteousness, but not our own righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, we read, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. It is a fruit that is attractive to those whom God has called and chosen. And the righteousness we have through the vine causes us to bear a witness for Christ. And by this witness, men are drawn to the vine. In John chapter 12 and verse 32, Jesus states, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. What happens when you walk past a tree filled with fruit? You get hungry, don't you? You want some of that fruit. We were sitting in the backyard one day at home and our neighbor across the fence, it's actually the house where Eric and Lucy lived for a little while, uh, but that house across the fence had a plum tree growing in it. And one day I'm sitting there and that branch is hanging over my fence and there's all that nice, juicy fruit. So I went over there and, and pulled, I pulled down all the fruit I could reach. I pulled it down. And a few minutes later, I saw a rake on the other side of the fence. And the neighbor was grabbing the branches and he was pulling them down and he was grabbing that fruit. You see, that fruit attracted me. I saw that fruit and it attracted me and I wanted that fruit. And when I went after that fruit, my neighbor saw me grabbing fruit out of that tree and he said, hey, I want me some of that too. You see, folks, when we abide in Christ, And his righteousness begins to manifest itself in our life because we are yielded to him and because we are striving to live our life to his glory. His righteousness begins to flow through us and it begins to, that fruit begins to bear. And people see that fruit and that's a witness and they come for that fruit. And we share with them the the gospel of Christ and God saves whom God will save. So that fruit is manifested. It's illustrative of the winning of souls through our witness. But then thirdly, and lastly, it's illustrative of spiritual growth. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, if you would. 2 Peter chapter 1, and we'll just read a couple of verses, beginning at verse 5. We read here, And beside this, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. All of these characteristics, virtue, which is morality, knowledge, which is discernment, temperance, which is self-control, patience, which is endurance, godliness, which is purity, brotherly kindness, which is compassion, charity, which is love. These chronicle the spiritual growth of the believer. Now, apart from the vine, these fruits of spiritual growth would be unattainable. Oh, perhaps we could, we could gain a semblance of these in our lives, but they would be fake fruit, like wax fruit. You ever see, a, you ever see the, this was popular back in the 70s, the, the, the wax fruit in the jar, in the, in the, in the bowl on the table? What good is wax fruit? You can't eat it, 
it, it, it doesn't, doesn't nourish you. In fact, it produces work because you've got to keep dusting this stuff off. It may look like real fruit, but they have no substance. They can offer no satisfaction. God has ordained that we should produce these fruits of spiritual growth. In 2 Peter chapter 3, we read, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace. You see what he says? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And we grow in these by the knowledge of the word of God. First Peter says again in First Peter chapter 2, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. We grow by the word of God. By reading it. By studying it. By applying it to our lives. And these things which are given to us as branches within the vine result in a fruitful life. Peter tells us in verse 8 of Second Peter chapter 1, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The abundant life is a fruitful life. It is a life of righteousness and holiness. And this righteousness and holiness has been given to us under the influence of the divine grace that we have through Jesus Christ. And this produces fruit in our life. Fruit that remains. These fruits will bring us the life that we spoke about earlier. Through these fruits, Jesus will give us a life of joy, a life of blessedness, a life of assurance, and a life of peace. Is that what we seek today? Is that what we desire in our hearts, is to, to have that life, that abundant life? It's not in material things. It's not in fame or power. It's by abiding in Christ. Being in and attached to the vine. Now tonight I'm going to preach part two of this. So if you can only make one service, make sure you make tonight's service. Because that's the best one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We are so humbled, Lord, as we stand here today and, and preach your word. We're unworthy. We're unclean. We like to sit down and we like to think that we are so special, that we are so great. But the truth is, Lord, apart from you, we are nothing. Nothing. And we never will be anything apart from you. We thank you, Lord, that you have grafted us into your vine. And we know, Lord, that it, it is your will that you have ordained that we bear fruit. And not just bear fruit, but bear it abundantly. So teach us, Father. Prune us. Prune us and cause us to live a life that manifests you. So that when others look at 
our branch, they see fruit, but not our fruit, your fruit, your righteousness, your holiness, coming through the branches on your vine. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here today. I pray you'd bless now as we leave. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to apply what we've learned today. Thank you for this time. Now we ask you to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.